So, uh, yeah, my wife and I had a couple weeks off um, with our kids. Uh, we have two now. It's pretty crazy. Seven weeks. Yeah. Uh, Avery, Avery is seven weeks old now, um, and she is uh, amazing. Um, and uh, Bryce is uh, just turned two, actually, like um, Thursday, two years old. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it's been two years. Um, so, anyways, let me ask you guys a question to start. I'm going to move this. Okay, Jordan. Um, to start tonight, how many people, if you're honest tonight, would just raise your hand really high and say that you love school? Anybody? It's cool. No shame. No shame. Look it. I love it. Okay. Seriously, all of that, all of the, is that, there's some junior hires over there. Is there any high schooler that loves school? Okay, awesome. Um, how many people would just be honest and say, dude, I loathe, it's past hatred, I loathe school. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> Hey, man, I hate school. Um, how about this? This is me, okay? How many people, um, you don't really like school, but for whatever reason, like, since you're there, you, like, do good in school? Anybody? You're like, uh, is a D good? Um, <laughs> it, it passed. It's passing. Um, I'm not advocating Ds, okay? I'm not saying just get Ds. Anyways, um, that was me, man. I, I hated school. Uh, every morning, it was one of those, man, should I go today? Should I stay or should I go? And uh, um, so I hated school, but I, I did well. I, I don't know why. I like My teachers would be like, now, Scotty, we believe you should be in honors or AP. And I was like, okay. And so I'm like in AP classes, and I'm like, why am I in AP classes? I don't, not, AP classes are great. But I was like, why, why? I know that the college credit really isn't going to do much for me. Um, not that it won't, but I'm just saying for me, it didn't. And uh and so, anyways, the point is this, um, in AP, I remember doing something specifically, AP government, if you're a senior, uh, I think senior, that's a senior class, uh, AP government, there was something that I want to kind of talk about tonight, and what it was called, and I think everyone still does this, is we had this big project, and it was a timeline, okay, does anybody do timelines anymore, or is it like all electronic, like, for instance, for my AP government, we had to do a, like, really decked out creative, get poster board and put them all together, creative timeline of the U.S. Congress, okay, awesome, basically, a timeline is you go to the start of something, right, and you put a little boop, and you, like, write in what happened and what date it was. And then you, like, put all these significant moments in, and then you put the end time. So the timeline is from the beginning and now to where you are now and everything in between. So I had to do timelines, um, or a timeline in the U.S. government. I don't know if you've ever had to do a timeline. But tonight, um, tonight's a little different. We're not in a series. We just finished up Perspective last week. Um, Aaron Garcia was here sharing with you guys. And next week we're going to start something new. Of course, like I said, we won't be here, um, but Micah and those guys will take care of it next week. We're going to jump in a new series. But tonight, here's the deal. I want to share with you, I've been on vacation the last two weeks, and really something that God put on my heart tonight, or this, these last two weeks, I want to share with you tonight. It's just something that God kind of laid on my heart, and it's just something I want to share with Refuge because I think it's really important and good. Um, and so it, it sort of has to do with timelines. Um, I... I've shared my story here numerous times, and here's the, here's the point, is that all of you, all of you, and, and myself included, we have a timeline. We have a, a starting point, right? For me, August 10th, 1986. For you, whatever. And there's a starting line, and then there's this finishing point. Today, October 9th, 2011, this is now, and everything in between. And so, 
everything in between has kind of shaped you like a piece of Play-Doh into the person you are today. And for me, I've shared with you guys some significant moments in my life. When I was four, my parents got divorced. Some of you guys have been through that. I didn't understand it. My parents got divorced, and then it was like, okay, I live with mommy for a few days, and then I live with daddy for a few days, and then all of a sudden, this other guy came into the picture, and he's my stepdad, and he's been for the last 20 years, but him and my mom got married. So now I have this stepdad. Some of you guys have a stepdad. Then my, my dad met somebody, and now I have this stepmom. So now I got, I'm a little boy, and I got all this stuff. Like, wow, I have like two moms and two dads now, and I'm trying to figure this thing out. That was significant points in my timeline. Then I grew up and I started, I shared with you before, I started skateboarding. Man, skateboarding wasn't like a hobby. It was like my life. Every single thing I did lived and breathed skateboarding. So it was like a significant little line with a date started skateboarding because it took over my life. Some of you guys have that moment or that thing that took over your life. Um, And then I got my driver's license. Anybody have a driver's license in the house tonight? Um, The driver's license was like a significant moment because you get behind the wheel and you're like... I'm a man. I'm a very small man, but I'm a man nonetheless. I got to sit on the phone book and do my thing. Um, Not really, but I I thought I was seriously going to have to. I was like, Mom, do I have to do the phone book thing like you joked about my whole life? And she was like, no, Scotty, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, yes, thank God. But I'm like this. Um, So that was a significant moment. And then, of course, one of the most significant, no, not one of the most, for sure, this most significant moment of my life is when I was 17, um, I became a Christian. I sat in church for a year, and and I became a Christian. And here's the thing tonight is a lot of times at Refuge, we try to talk to people that are Christians, and we try to talk to people that aren't Christians. So here's the deal tonight. It's a lot less of that. Tonight, if you're a Christian in the house and you know who you are, tonight I'm talking specifically to you. But here's what I want to say. If you would say, dude, I'm not a Christian. Here's what I want you to do. For the next 20 minutes, I want you to sit in your seat, and I want you to listen close. Because here's the deal. Scott Worthington sat in a seat without a relationship with God in a church for a year. And I sat there, and I soaked every single thing in. I soaked every song in. I soaked every message in. I soaked everything that was going on on the stage and after the service in. And eventually, God melted my heart, and he said, here, you, you don't understand your desperate need for me. So tonight, if you would say I'm not a Christian, don't zone out because I just said tonight's geared towards the Christians. Tonight is geared towards you because I believe God is going to use tonight to melt your heart because he did for me. I'm not just saying that as a thing. That's exactly what happened to me. I sat in a service for a year and finally God said, Are you, Scott, hello, do you get it? Do you get that you, you weren't made to live without me? And so tonight, if that's you, I want you to pay attention. So that was a big deal in my timeline. 17, I became a Christian. Um, a little later, I graduated from college, and uh, I met this girl. I met this girl before college, but we started dating. And then a, a very significant moment in my life, in 2008, I got married to Candace Leanna Hawkins at the time. And I said, yeah, your name's Hawkins. I'm where's Worthington, girl, because I'm going to marry you. That's what, guys, that's what you say. That's what you say. You may kiss the bride. Boom, I just changed your name. Now come here and give me a kiss. Just kidding. But seriously, um, that's what happens at the thing, you know? They kiss the bride. Um, I, I, you know, a year later or, or 11 months later, uh, we got pregnant right away. Bryce Eugene Worthington was born. Um, and that man, that is a beautiful little maniac, okay? Right now, he's just, whew, that dude can run, okay? And doesn't stop. Um, 
And then uh, that's a significant moment in my timeline. Another significant moment is just August 22nd, seven weeks ago, Avery Leanna Worthington was born. Named her after her. Hopefully she's like sweet and perfect like her mommy, okay? Not like Bryce. Like, ah, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> uh, um, and now here I am today. I love what I do. I get to hang out with awesome students every Sunday night. I'm going to Thailand. I mean, God has kind of been so gracious through my timeline. But the divorce, the skateboarding, the, the, the high points and the low points contributed to my timeline. And you know, as I was just kind of sharing with you my timeline, what was yours? What are those moments from birth to now, August, or October 9th, 2011, that have shaped who you are? We're going to talk about that tonight. Um, we're going to talk about the, 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 the seri- or the, the tonight's talk. is called Back to Your Roots. I made a little graphic for it there. And here's, here's what I want to specifically talk about for, the, for, for people in the room that would say, man, I have a relationship with God, is there is a mark in the timeline where you said, that's the day or that's the summer or that's the spring break or that's the, the, the time when I said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord in my life. And you gave your heart to Christ. Tonight, we want to go back to that moment, and we want to kind of just talk about it. Because for me, that moment was really big, and I was really passionate about God. And maybe you have that to where you were like, dude, this thing has really changed my life. Um, so uh, you guys know, I, I have ADD quite a bit sometimes when I'm like preparing talks. So I had ADD this week, and I said, man... Um, Famous, I have a really fascinate, a weird fascination with famous people. Like any, anywhere I go, I like, I'm like, dude, what if there's a famous person there? <laughs> Ask Candace. I'll be like, hey, we're going to the airport. Famous people go to airports. <laughs> Keep your eye open. Anytime I go down to Southern California, like they all live there or something. A lot of them do, but like it's a big place. And I'm like, you famous? So I was like, you know what? Famous people haven't always been famous. They've, they've, they had a timeline too. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to, I looked up some celebrity yearbook pictures, okay? And so here's what I want to do real, real quick. We're going to buzz through this, okay? I have like seven yearbook pictures. And what I want you to do, I'm going to put them on the screen. And I'm going to give, and if you know the answer, just shout it out, okay? Just shout out who you think it is. Some of them are easy. Some of them are like, what happened? Uh, okay, so put that first one up. I'm going to give you five seconds. Go. Who is that? What? Who said that? Dang, that was good. Put it, put out the other one. That is Lady Gaga. Yeah, no, seriously, I almost want to say, hey, Lady. Is that your first name, Lady? Your last name's Gaga? Okay. Uh, can you go back to what you used to look like, please? Because you were, like, normal looking. Um, okay, go to the next one. Oh, yeah. What? Who said that? What did you say? Sean White. You, it does look like a boy, doesn't it? <laughs> It's not Sean White. Put that one up. Yep, it's Kesha. All right, next one. Go put the next one on there. Oh, yeah, this one's good. Everyone said Patrick. Check this out. This is the most awesome one. Put that one up. Travis Barker, baby. It's like, dude, wow. Okay, put the next one up. Put the next one up. Oh, the girl. Ah! Put it up. Oh, boy. Oh, you girls. Simmer down. Simmer down. All right, put the next. That one was kind of easy. Yep, that's, that's Taylor Swift. Okay, all right. Hey, is there one more left? All right, oh, what, who's that one? 
Sarah sent Sarah sent me. That's awesome. Uh, seriously? No, this one, this one is the most crazy. Shh, silence. Nobody. I haven't heard it yet. Okay, you guys are gonna freak out. Ready? Go ahead and put it up. How crazy is that? And then, all right, listen, listen, listen. And then just, just for good measure, uh, I had to let you guys know a little bit about my timeline. So here's the first one. Uh, there I am. What a baller. What a baller. That looks like, that looks like a shirt that like Ben would wear, right? It's like the plaid. I was like rocking hipster back in the 90s, okay? Um, and then this one is, this is, the, this is the guy I always talk about right there. Does anybody want to guess what grade I'm in right there? 10th grade right there. 10th grade right there. And I was, I was like this tall, okay? Take that off the screen, please. For the love of Jesus. Take, no, really, take it off. Um, thank you. Uh, anyways, here's why I did that. Okay, A, like I said, a little ADD. But here's the thing. Uh, Kesha and Ryan Seacrest and all these people, like, it doesn't matter what Hollywood does or what surgery might do or a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um, that is what they go home to their mom. Remember this, Ryan? Like, yes, mom, I remember those braces and those god-awful glasses. Um, <laughs> but that's where they came from. They have a timeline. And so that was sort of uh, just kind of random that I thought was cool we should look at. But um, I want to jump in tonight. If you have your Bible, open it up to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to jump into God's word and we're going to look at going back to our roots. As believers, we have a place where we started as believers. Um, And so tonight, we are going to look through the proverbial yearbook. And we're going to flip through the pages. And whether it was last week or whether it was last summer or was when you were six years old and you remember that time when you gave your heart to Christ, we want to talk about that tonight. It's, It's a big deal to go back to that little mark in your timeline and say, man, What was I like then, and what was God showing me, and what was God's call on my life? So, if you have your Bible, Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read a story about Moses. Uh, Moses is a very famous character in the Bible, like very famous. Some people say other than Jesus, he might be the most famous. Um, So just to give you a background before we jump into Exodus 3, in the time when the story is taking place, um, Moses is, uh, the children of Israel are in slavery to the Egyptians, Okay, and so you got to imagine this whole, this whole race of people, the Israelites, are in slavery. And, and uh, Pharaoh, which is the king of Egypt, he gets mad and he says, wait a minute, there's so many of these, these Israelites raising up. Um, they're getting really big. Like, they're like multiplying and their, their army, so to say, is getting really big. And they could probably take us over if they tried. Like tomorrow, if they said, hey, let's stop doing slave work and let's beat this Th- these, these Egyptians out, they probably could. So Pharaoh said, I'm going to stop this. And he told all the people that delivered babies back then, he said, hey, any boy baby that is born, so any, any guy that's born, what I want you to do is I want you to kill him. I want you to throw him in the river. And they'll just drift off or they'll drown or whatever. You put them in a basket and throw them out there and they'll probably die because I don't want any more men being raised up in Israel because uh, they're going to overtake us. And so that's when Moses comes in the story. Um, we see God's hand on his life from the very beginning because he was born. Obviously, Moses is a guy. And so his mom takes him 
I can't even imagine. Seven weeks ago, we just had Avery. And, I mean, they're, they're so helpless. They're, they're like, ugh, they're just there, tiny. And he, she puts him in a basket, and she puts him in the Nile River and sends him off because she would be killed otherwise. Or, so she, she did what they said. And so you would think, okay, Moses drifts off and dies because they need to eat and they need to be nurtured and they need whatever. But we see God's hand in Moses' life from the very beginning because he gets washed up to shore and eventually Pharaoh's very own daughter takes him as her own. And she names him Moses. And so he grows up and they don't, it's all under the radar. He didn't, she didn't say, hey, Pharaoh, I found one of your babies. You know? No, it's all under the radar. And so Moses grows up as an Egyptian. He grows up probably going to the Egyptian schools and hanging out with the Egyptians, but really he's a Hebrew. Really, he's an Israelite. And so one day he's walking, and there's an Egyptian punking an Israelite. And Moses, because he knows he's really an Israelite, this is all in the Bible, by the way. I'm just, I'm just like giving the short version. He says, hey, stop messing with my Israelite brother. And so he kills the guy. He kills the Egyptian, right? And it's a big deal. Like he killed his own people Really, he was defending his real own people. And so this, this Egyptian dies, and Moses thought nobody saw it, and so he buries his body in the sand. And then the next day, it says that Moses is walking, and he sees two Israelites fighting. And the Israelites are arguing. He says, hey, guys, you guys are brothers. Stop arguing. And the, and the Israelites look at him and say, what, are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And Moses starts freaking out. Oh, my gosh, I thought nobody saw it. And so Moses takes off. He's a coward. Moses runs away to a different land to start a new life and leave this old life behind in this murderous, killing, cowardly life. So, Scott, why that long story? Here is the point tonight that you need to wrap your head around before we wrap our heads around anything else. Here it is. Is that God can use anybody. I think that's your first blank. God can use anybody. God can use anybody. He used a murderer. We'll see in a minute when we read the story. He used a murderer, a coward. I mean, Moses killed somebody, and then when he got caught, instead of fessing up and owning up and being a man about it, he ran. So, man, here's what I say, why I say that. There's not one person in this room that God can't use. Don't tell anybody right now, okay, but none of us have killed anybody, I don't think. If so, Yikes. So then Moses goes off to this new land. He meets a girl. He gets married. He starts having kids. He literally runs from his old life and starts a new one. Meanwhile, the children of Israel are still in slavery. And they say, God, we are so, we are so desperate for you to help us out. We're in slavery to these people. And so the last verse of Exodus chapter 2 says, God knew he had to act. I love that. And then it picks up in Exodus chapter 3, and Moses comes back into the story. So if you have your Bible, we're reading a bunch of verses tonight. Um, check out Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Um, now Moses, it's going to be on the screen. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain, mountain of God. Which is kind of where he's at. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Okay, this is crazy. Just imagine you walk out of your front door and your, the, the, the tree in your front yard is on fire. Okay? Weird. Um, so Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight. Good job, Moses. Why the bush does not burn up? Because it's on fire, but it's not like burning. Like it's not going down to the ground. Weird. Um, 
When Moses saw that he had gone, or when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. So this angel, God says, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. God says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Hey, this is a big deal. God's saying, Moses, I'm about to rock your face. Take off, take off your sandals. Because you've been running and you've been killing and I'm going to kind of bring you back to reality here and I'm going to start something in you. Take off your sandals because this is going to be big. Verse 6, then he said, I am the God of your, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He's like realizing this is a big deal. This is the real deal. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out in the land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of, and he names a bunch of different people. Starting in verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So he, he lays out, this is why I'm calling you Moses. Verse 10. So now... Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord of your God, fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever. The name by which I will be remembered from generation to generation. Here's why I love that last part. From generation to generation. Here's what that means. You guys worship the same God. The same God that was in the fire in this bush in, in, over in the Middle East thousands of years ago that said, hey, Moses, I'm about to rock your face. That same God is here tonight, and he's saying, hey, I'm about to rock your face. You say, what does this I am thing mean? I love when God calls himself that in the Bible. To me, that means I am everything you can't be. You say, man, who is going to, uh, who is going to use me, you know, I'm I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not popular enough, God says, I am. Who Who is going to work through me to reach my city and reach my friends and reach my parents? God says, I am. You guys, a few more blanks there. As we look at this guy, Moses, here's what I love about Moses, is even in this conversation with God, he's just showing himself unworthy to be used by God. He's saying, God, who am I? As soon as God says to him, I'm going to use you, he's going, who am I, God? So Moses is insecure. That's one of your blanks. Moses is insecure. A lot of you and, and me, sometimes we feel really insecure. God can still use you. Moses doubted God. He thought this, man, I know this is like the big deal with my shoes off and the burning bush, but God, are you sure about this? Later on, we read that Moses had a speech impediment. 
I mean, literally, this guy was somebody you would never think God could use. He probably wasn't the smartest. He probably wasn't the most good-looking. He probably wasn't the most popular. But in God's sovereignty, God chose Moses. There's a lot of reasons for that, probably, that we'll never know. But I think one of those reasons is because there's a lot of people from generation to generation, like this verse says, that thought, man, how could God use me? Who's... Who's God, you know, to say he's going to use me? And God says, I am. I can use you where you are in your family, at Del Webb, at Las Vegas Academy, at Coronado, at Silvestri, at Lake Mead Christian Academy. And so tonight we want to look just, I want to ask you one question and we're going to be done. Here's the question I want to ask you. As we go back to our roots as Jesus followers, back to where you said yes to God, And you had that burning bush moment where God said, I'm going to save you because I have a purpose for your life. And I wrestle with this question a lot. Here's the question. If every Christian lived out their faith like you, what would the world look like? I wrestle with that question this week. Man, not, you know, not removing God's sovereignty at all, not removing the fact that God doesn't need me, he chooses to use me for my benefit and his glory. Not, I'm not trying to remove that, but I'm just asking the question for the sake of asking, if everybody in the world who claimed to be Christian lived their faith out like you, what would the world look like? Would people spend time with God? Would people ever tell anybody about Jesus? Would people ever show the love of God to the people that maybe didn't even like them or gave them dirty looks? I can't answer that question for you. But that's a good question to maybe put somewhere. Man, if every Christian lived like me, what would the world look like? What would the church look like, the big church, the global church of Jesus Christ? So as we close tonight, I want to ask three questions. I want to give you a, a rather a three-part challenge, something that kind of stirred up in me that I want to challenge you guys with. As we look at what does it look like to go back to our roots, to, to the calling of God on our lives. There's three things, a bunch of things, but there's three things I want to focus on tonight. The first is this. I want to challenge you guys to be consistently plugging in to a service. Here's what I mean. I mean refuge, yes. But I also mean a local body, a local church. For us, our local church here is Hope Baptist Church. Refuge is a part of Hope Baptist Church, but refuge in and of itself is not Hope Baptist Church. It's a local body that meets at Silverado High School every single week, and in in a few months, we're going to move to our new campus. And maybe you go to a different place. Hey, I'm cool with that. Maybe you plug in at Southfields. Maybe you plug in at Central. Maybe you plug in at Green Valley Baptist. Maybe you plug in wherever else you might go. I'm not saying you have to come to Hope. Yeah, we would like you to. We love our church. We think it's awesome, and we'd love for you to join us. But part of God's call as a Christian is for you to be consistently plugged into a service. Why? Because there's a lot of people here that you can benefit from. Like Micah talked about a couple weeks ago, I love listening to the podcasts when I'm not here and just hearing God's truth. Micah said, man, you cannot do, what you, you cannot do alone what you could do in a group. God created us to be together. 
So part of being a Christian, part of the burning bush moment for you as a Christian is to be involved in what God's doing in the local church, consistently plugging into a church. If you don't consistently plug into hope or some other body, uh, you know, body of faith, I encourage you to do that. You're missing out on God's best for you. Here's the second thing. The challenge is for you to have accountability to a small group. Here's what we've never addressed before at Refuge, and I was just kind of thinking about Refuge over the last couple weeks. Here's something that kept coming up, is we think, and if I'm honest, sometimes I even thought that small group, at re, you know, small group, the small groups of Refuge was 20 minutes after the message. That's wrong. That is the time when our small groups meet. That is one time where our small groups can get together. And I've shared this with your leaders, and we're all on board with this, that your small group is not just after the message. Your small group is a body of people that love Jesus and are pursuing him together. And that should be like a 24-7 thing. Like here's the challenge. If you don't have everybody's number in your small group, do that tonight. Do that tonight. Say, hey, I don't have your phone number. Can I get it? Why? I don't know. Maybe I just want to text you. Maybe we can hang out sometime. Or maybe if I know there's a big test coming up, I can ask you how that test goes. Or that big tryout or that big conversation you're going to have with your mom. Accountability to a small group is, is a huge part of this journey we're on called following Jesus. And I was challenged this week with missing that. And maybe you've missed it. Here's the last one I'm going to finish up. And this one is big. I want to challenge you guys to be urgent to take a risk for God. Last week, Aaron, again, this is so crazy. God is stirring this in me. And then I hear Aaron's message, and he's talking about urgency. And it's like, okay, God's doing something. Um, Urgency. And the next part I'm going to say is not to say to not to guilt trip anybody in the room. It's just to share some information with you that rocked my face off this week, okay? Did you know, in the last week, there were six teenagers in Henderson alone that committed suicide. You guys brushed by hundreds, some of you thousands of people in your schools. Silvestri, Coronado, LVA, Las Vegas Academy, uh, what am I missing? Um... Green Valley, Liberty High School. You guys brought, literally, in those schools, there's thousands of kids that I just were representing in the schools that I just named. And they don't, a lot of them, I don't want to give a percentage because I don't know, a lot of them walk through the halls in darkness. In darkness. And what do we do as Christians, and I'm guilty of this, is we put Jesus in our pocket and we bust him out of refuge and we're like, yeah, God is good. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do the hand thing. I'm going to get all into this. But we put Jesus in our pocket when we go to school and we make sure nobody sees it. When that is the life-giving truth that God gave you to say, hey, at the burning bush, your job is to go to these people, Moses. At the burning bush, Your job as students and my job as a leader and and your leader's job and our job as Christians is to explain to people that there's a Savior. To explain to people that the world doesn't end here. Somebody loved you enough to give his life for you. You don't have to walk in your darkness. Those six teenagers didn't have to do whatever they did to commit suicide. God, I wish those six teenagers were in refuge. You can explain to them, man, you got a God who loves you, 
who cares about you more than you could ever imagine. When I was, uh, the band, you guys can come up. When I was in fourth and fifth grade, um, there was a very big hobby that like blew up, okay? It was, maybe you guys never heard of it. It was uh, Pogs. You guys ever heard of Pogs? Um, Man, Pogs were the jam. Um, And I was like a Pog freak. Here's what Pogs were. They were cardboard coins, okay? Weird, I know. But like every Happy Meal had Pogs. I mean, Pogs were everywhere. Um, And so there were little cardboard coins. And what it was really gambling for kids, okay? What you do is you would stack Pogs up, and then you had these little plastic or metal things called slammers. And you used to have the pogs stacked up face down, and then you would slam it down on the pogs, and they would all pop up, and whatever one's faced up, you won those. Okay? Stupid. But awesome. And uh, go ahead and put that picture up. Uh, those are slammers right there. Um, yeah, okay, and the reason I pointed that out is because I remember the day I was walking through the mall and at one of those little middle kiosk things, um, I bought myself a ripper, okay? Now, this bad boy, this is a metal slammer with, like, I mean, like shark teeth, okay? Um, And this thing, like, cut pogs in half. Not really, but that's what they told you. Um, And so I literally, I remember walking to school, and I put the pog in my, or the slammer in my pocket, and I walked over and went, hey, best friend, come here. I got a ripper. (laughs) What do you mean? Whoa! You're like, yeah. I'm going to kill everybody at Pogs in this whole school. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. And then people would be like, oh, yeah, you want to play Pogs? I'm like, yeah, I'll Pogs. You guys want to play for keeps, as we say? And then they'd stack them up, and they'd be like, well, I got a cool little, uh, you know, mine's like an inch thick. What about you, you know? And I'd be like, oh, I don't have a... Bam! It's a ripper, baby! But here's why I say that. Some of us treat Jesus like our little ripper slammer. And we know it's awesome. We know it'll tear through, you know, like the Bible says, man, God is the most powerful thing. And we know that, man, I got the ripper. But I put it in my pocket. Hey, I got a ripper. And everyone at Refuge knows you got a ripper. Everyone at Refuge knows you got Jesus and you're going to lift him up. But man, when you walk out of here, you put him in your pocket and you walk away. And it's like nothing ever happened. But you always bust him right back out when you come to refuge. If every Christian lived like you, what would the world look like? So tonight I want, to, I want you guys to talk about in your small group. I want you to answer that question. If you want to be honest tonight with your small group, part of the challenge is accountability with group. Talk about that, man. What, what does that look like for you? And then put those three things up again. The three challenge. Here's what I want you to talk about. I want you to talk about how your small group can do that. The... Go ahead and put the, the three challenge up there. The last slide. There we go. Consistency to plug into a service. Talk about that in your group. Accountability to a small group. How can you do that better in your group? And how can you guys be more urgent in understanding there's thousands of teenagers that don't know God? And you do. And you got the answer and God wants to use you. And you got got the ripper, but you don't ever want to pull it out. 
Keep each other accountable to that in your small group. What can you do tomorrow in school? What do you do tonight on the way home if your parents don't know God? I lived in a family after I got saved. For a long time, my parents didn't know Jesus. And I thank God that they came to know God. But at first, I was like, dude, I'm going to go home, and I'm, my whole family's lost. So Jesus, thank you sometimes. We just got to look through the yearbook. God, and go back to the very simple calling of what it looks like to be a Christian. You did not call us to be Christians just so we can get into heaven one day. But God, you called us because you want us to join in on what you're doing. And God, thank you that you don't need me. You don't need these students. You are God and you are powerful. And it is only for our benefit and your glory that you invite us to join you. But God, would we be obedient to that call? Would we be obedient to live lives that honor you and that honor the fact that you gave your life for us and you gave your life for so many other people that haven't been told that yet. So God, tonight we wanna worship, we wanna say hallelujah, that you reign, that you're good, that you're God. And God, would we live lives when we walk out of this place like Moses lived when he saw the burning bush, that it was a big deal and he saw that something changed. So God, I I thank you for these students. I pray for them this week. I pray for them over the next couple weeks as I'm gone. Burn this in their hearts like you burned that bush. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys stand up? Let's sing tonight as we close.